Hey folks, welcome to the Dark Horse Podcast live stream number 138. We are your Dark Horses in Residence. I am Dr. Brett Weinstein. This is Dr. Heather Hying. We have suffered a uh, technological malfunction, but have recovered splendidly, I will say. Oh, so splendid. Splendidly. Mm -hmm. Um, I was going to warn people that although I feel great, I have a lingering cough from whatever it is that got me, which tested three times negative for COVID, so I don't think it was COVID. But anyway, a lingering cough. Please bear with us if I end up coughing in the middle of a concept and uh, dial up your level of inference. You may be able to finish my thought for me in your head. I know that sounds crazy, but it can happen. And uh, with that, let us uh, orient the audience to where we are headed. We are going to talk today about authoritarians and fiats and science and scientific misconduct and organizations that say that they exist to provide accurate data and not to propose policy and yet manage to sneak in the ideology du jour into what they write and produce. And it causes a person, a thinking person, I think, to to wonder what actually is possible, like how how ideology free, how opinion free, how feelings free, if you will, uh, can factual representation of un- currently understood to be true things be in, in 2022 when social media in large part, although there are many other factors as well, is, is working hard to make it very difficult to know what is true and what's not. Are All we right. still are we still live, Zach? Okay. Okay. All right. So you okay. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um I don't know what's going on. Um I, I just have to check in. Zach, we got a lot of glitchy stuff here on our screen. Don't worry about stuff on your screen, that so probably to the relief of some people listening right now, we're not going to be back next Saturday. <laughs> we are not going to be here. There will be another podcast that Brett is doing with uh, with a guest that will be up uh, at at the same time. Uh, so uh, that will that will keep you thinking, hopefully. And we will be doing a live Q and A after today's stream if if the technology allows. You can ask questions at darkhorsesubmissions.com. We uh, are live on both Odyssey and YouTube, as far as I know. Uh, The chat is live on Odyssey at the moment. We have some cool stuff for sale at darkhorsestore.org, where you can find various products like Epic Tabbies and Direwolves and uh, and Jabs at Pfizer. (laughs) Yes, and YouTube and other things. We, uh, I always encourage you to find our book, Hunter Gatherer's Guide to the 21st Century, and to find Natural Selections, which is my Substack, where I have weekly-ish, uh, postings on various topics that are, um, you know, widely, widely dispersed in topic, but like what we talk about here on Dark Horse. Uh, basically, if it, um, if it evolved, it's fair game, and that includes just about everything. And we even talk about some things that don't evolve. We occasionally talk about rocks, but not very often. Quasars. Yeah, I I don't think we've ever talked about quasars. I have. On Dark Horse? Uh, Soda Voce, you know. Yeah, I don't think you have. I think you're just trying to come up with things that don't evolve, which of course, yes, that's true of quasars, but I don't think we've ever talked about them here. All right, folks. <laughs> if you remember where it is that <laughs> I 
yes. mentioned quasars, mm -hmm. sotto voce or not, sotto voce or otherwise, please feel free to introduce that information into our into our sphere in the comments or or wherever. Yes. Okay, so we are supported by our audience. Uh, we appreciate you subscribing to the channel, liking, sharing both our full episodes on YouTube and Odyssey, and of course the clips at Dark Horse Podcast Clips. Uh, and we encourage anyone who can afford to to support us, not just by sharing our work, but also by contributing to our Patreons, where uh, within a few minutes of us finishing here today, I will uh, set up the question asking period on my Patreon for our private monthly Q&A, which is a lot of fun. It's smaller than these in these chats with our live streams and so we actually get to interact with the chat brett just had a conversation on his patreon this morning which uh, i assume as always went really well i believe it did we are uh dialing in a model for the admixture between acting and planning acting and planning mm -hmm. all right and uh, and at both of our Patreons, you can get access to our Discord community, where uh, there's a lively community of people who do not have any intention of canceling you for having opinions that are different from theirs. And they do things like book clubs and virtual karaoke and are actually planning um, a, a real-life meetup. They've done a couple, but a real-life meetup in the Pacific Northwest at the end of the summer. I have an error correction. Several sentences ago, I said between acting and planning. That's not what I meant. It falsely represents the coalition of the reasonable group. Okay. Uh, acting and preparing. That is to say, for future action. Okay. All right. I feel better now. Do you? <laughs> A little. <laughs> okay. So, uh, at the Discord community, uh, you. <laughs> I'm just going to stop. Okay. <laughs> you have any more corrections? <laughs> we'll see. Okay. Um, we do encourage you to join to to join that community and to join us on our Patreons. Um, this is going to be a tough a tough day. Clearly, um, I am going to start with our sponsors for the week, for which we are very 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 grateful. This is the wrong set of papers. <laughs> I have no one to blame for that but myself. Okay, now I have the correct set of papers. We have three sponsors as usual, and uh, we don't do not take uh, ads. We do not run ads for products that we don't actually vouch for. Uh, so we really do feel extraordinarily positive about Thesis, Ned, and MD Hearing Aid, our three sponsors for this week. Our first sponsor this week is new to us this summer, uh, and it is Thesis. Thesis makes nootropics. <sighs> nope, nootropics. Nootropics are nutrients found in nature or in the human body, which have been demonstrated to enhance mental performance in areas such as motivation, creativity, mood, memory, focus, and cognitive processing. They work best when combined with exercise, proper nutrition, and mindfulness activities such as meditation. You're probably already using a nootropic, as one of the most commonly consumed nootropics is caffeine, but it is far from the most exciting. Effective nootropics allow people to optimize their focus, energy, and mood based on the demands of the day. In some cases, nootropics can replace the pharmaceuticals that are usually used to tackle a problem like ADHD. Thesis is unusual in the nootropic market and taking a very personalized approach. They do not assume that what works for your brother will work for you, or that what worked for you when you were under deadline for a drivel project will be the same thing that will work when you need a spark of creativity for a project you've been dreaming about for years, for instance. Just as some people become alert after a cup of coffee and others fall right asleep, so too do all nootropics have different effects on different people. When the first, with the first iteration of Thesis products, customers were treated like subjects in a clinical trial. Blinded customers took a series of different nootropic blends over the course of a month and reported how they felt. 
Analysis of that feedback found that not surprisingly, different people respond differently to different blends. Now, after two years, 2,500 customers and millions of data points, Thesis is confident that they have created a recommendation algorithm to predict which blends of nootropics will work best for any given customer. And the process is simple. Go to their website, take a short quiz, and they'll send a starter kit with four different blend recommendations to try over the course of a month. I have now tried five of their blends. Two of them have not been for me, while three have been intriguing and definitely worth returning to, two of which I have. The creativity blend, for instance, seems to smooth things over, add a little clarity and make inspiration come a bit easier, and the logic blend seems to facilitate focus and allow for getting lots of tasks done. With fully personalizable blends, there is likely to be a thesis that is right for you. To get your own customized thesis starter kit, go online to takethesis.com slash tarkhorse, Take the quiz and use code DARKHORSE at checkout for 10% off your first box. Okay, our second sponsor this week is NED, a CBD company that stands out in a highly saturated CBD market. NED was started by two friends who discovered that their hypermodern lives were leaving them feeling, quote, empty, bewildered, and disconnected. Something about this way of life, they say on their website, just wasn't working. So they started NED. You can buy CBD products in nearly every coffee shop or grocery store, but NED's blends stand out. Their de-stress blend in particular really impressed us. Ned's de-stress blend is a one-to-one formula of CBD and CBG made from the world's purest full-spectrum hemp and also features a botanical infusion of ashwagandha, cardamom, and cinnamon. Cinnamon. It's not actually how you say that, but I'm going to go with it. It could catch on. It could catch on? Did you say? It could catch on. (laughs) CBG is known as the mother of all cannabinoids, and because of how effective it is at combating anxiety and stress by inhabiting the reuptake of GABA, the neurotransmitter responsible for stress regulation. Many of the CBD companies out there source their hemp from industrial farms in China, but just like with low-quality alcohol, low-quality CBD can have undesired effects. NED is USDA certified organic. All of NED's full-spectrum hemp oil is extracted from USDA-certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Peonia, Colorado. Also, NED shares their third-party lab reports and information about who farms their products and their extraction process on their site. These products are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. They're chock-full of premium CBD and a full-spectrum of active cannabinoids, terpenes, flavonoids, and trichomes. NED's full-spectrum hemp oil nourishes the body's endocannabinoid system to offer functional support for stress, sleep, inflammation, and balance. If you'd like to give NED a try, Dark Horse listeners get 15% off NED products with code DARKHORSE. Visit helloned.com slash darkhorse to get access. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D dot com slash darkhorse to get 15% off. We thank Ned for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. Our final sponsor this week is MD Hearing Aid. MD Hearing Aid was founded by an ENT surgeon who made it his mission to develop a quality hearing aid that anyone could afford. Recognizing that about 95% of the people who need a hearing aid only require a few settings, he removed some of the less often needed components. He also cut out the middleman, and now MD Hearing Aid makes a rechargeable hearing aid that is FDA-registered and costs a small fraction of what the typical hearing aid costs. These hearing aids aim to fit so well that no one will know you're wearing them. The rechargeable batteries last up to 30 hours, their Volt Plus is water-resistant in up to 3 feet of water, and you don't need a prescription to get one. You buy it directly from the source where audiologists and licensed hearing specialists are available 7 days a week. Everyone can empathize with what it feels like to be left out of a conversation that others are enjoying. Here's a testimonial from a friend of ours who has substantial hearing loss and who relies on hearing aids. We asked her to try this product, and here's what she said. With my particular type of hearing loss, a deep male 
<clears throat> voice is no in a noisy room is the hardest situation for me to hear and understand. I wore the MD hearing aid uh, to have a conversation with a deep voice man in a room with a lot of white noise. The MD hearing aid passed the test as my conversation partner's voice was clear and understandable. At a price point of under $1,000, I was amazed at how effective they are. MD hearing aid has brought affordable hearing to over 600,000 satisfied customers. Plus, they offer a 45-day risk-free trial with a 100% money-back guarantee. Get clinical-level care for 80% less with MD Hearing Aid. Go to mdhearingaid.com and use the promo code DARKHORSE to get their new buy one, get one deal. A pair of hearing aids costs just $149.99. Plus, Dark Horse listeners receive a free extra charging case, $100 value. So head to mdhearingaid.com and use the promo code DARKHORSE to get their new buy one, get one deal. A pair of hearing aids for $149.99. So, perhaps our technical difficulties are in the rearview mirror. That would be great. That would be great. And we are ready to, to discuss some of the topics of the day. It has been a strange week uh, in the world and, wow. uh, and also in our world. Uh, and so, uh, we, just have, we have a number of things that we might want to say something about. And if, if this makes sense, I was thinking that you might lead us off... Uh, by talking a little bit about what has happened to Salman Rushdie. Yes, what has happened to Salman Rushdie is, um, I think, shocking to every thinking person. And at another level, it's something which has a, a history leading up to it of 33 years. Salman Rushdie was attacked this week prior, my understanding is, to giving a talk in New York, and he was gravely injured. I believe he is expected to survive, but uh, might lose an eye and uh, has serious damage, which will impact him uh, from here on through his life. Um, this is <clears throat> presumably the result of a fatwa issued 33 years ago by Ayatollah Khomeini, um, based on the fact that he had apparently uh, delivered uh, offense to Allah in the Satanic Verses, a book of fiction that he uh, he penned. Mm -hmm. And he has lived under that threat courageously for all of those decades. And uh, I learned in looking into that fatwa that apparently there is a monetary reward offered. It was increased in, in 2012, several million dollars yeah. uh, that has been offered for a person who, who eliminates him. It was never lifted, and uh, several of the translators of his work into other languages were attacked, and um, I believe a couple of them were killed. So, um, you know, even, even translating the work is deemed worthy of... Um, Esteemed a, mor a mortal offense. Yes, and <clears throat> although <clears throat> the Iranian government has distanced itself from the fatwa, the monetary reward uh, was raised by a semi-official entity connected. So this is really a fundamental question about how the world uh, is to be run, what is within the purview of a nation state, and what is not. It is also well worth noting, as many people have, that there is some comparison to be made between uh, this 
violent act and cancel culture. And of course, one comparison that could be made is that cancel culture in which you are simply stigmatized and ostracized and maybe driven from your chosen profession is certainly preferable to being uh, attacked by a knife-wielding madman. Um, but there is a way in which this is a difference in degree, but not in kind. These are both instances in which people are preferring a system in which what may be said and what may not be said is dictated by some authority and that uh, those limits should uh, guide discourse and be severely punished when they are uh, violated. And there is an alternative, of course, which is the alternative upon which the West is based, in which individuals are free to think and to say essentially anything. Now, of course, there are limits worth talking about, but in the realm of ideas, in the realm of narratives, should you be free to express anything and <clears throat> be challenged if what you have said is... Uh, vile or dangerous, but not be silenced. And of course, this is in one way counterintuitive because everyone who believes that certain things are right in whatever way things can be right and other things are wrong would of course prefer a world of uh, the rightness flourishing and the wrongness uh, being uh, absent. But the problem is, as the American founders correctly realized, the truth is counterintuitive. That even though most ideas that are expressed are probably at best valueless and very frequently wrong and sometimes downright dangerous, the most dangerous thing is an environment in which you cannot express ideas that are not sanctioned because that is a world in which there can be no progress. That is a world frozen in some state. It's, it's the frozenness, really, which... Uh which I think is what many people who uh, think that free speech should go by the wayside are are not recognizing. It is it is also the height of hubris. It is an arrogance that comes of imagining that now, finally, after however long it is that you want to keep track of in the past, finally we have arrived at a moment of perfect understanding. And whereas we can all look back on previous moments and say, oh, weren't they confused? Weren't they small-minded? Weren't they ignorant? Didn't they not know the things that we know now? It imagines that we are now omnipotent and omniscient, and that we have full possession of not just the knowledge, but also the power, and therefore that we want the full possession of the power to make sure that everyone who doesn't yet see things as clearly as we do uh, can be forced to be relegated to, um, to basically be our underlings. So I wanted to try to put this in context of a model that uh, longtime listeners of Dark Horse will have interacted with many times in many different contexts. In the comparison between uh, fatwa culture and cancel culture, you could view them as uh, distinct and one preferable over the other, or you could view them as the same thing uh, in a different form. That the purpose is to make sure that what is accepted is accepted by fiat rather than by some process in which we right. all participate. Mm -hmm. And um, here's the thing that I think uh, needs to be explored. One of these is obviously religious. 
right? It is by religious authority that the fatwa on Salman Rushdie was issued. And the other of these is nominally secular. Yes. <clears throat> that is the wrong way to think about it, though. It is true at a factual level, but it is untrue at a deeper level. And what I would argue is that we come, all of us, irrespective of what lineages we emerge from, we all come from a world of religious authority. Every lineage has that feature up until some point at the least, and some of them continue to have it. Those religious authorities are the result <clears throat> of an evolutionary process. And what I've argued many times, and I'm going to argue here again, is that you cannot found a religion in the same way that you cannot write a myth. Mm -hmm. You can write a narrative, and then selection can act upon narratives, throwing, about, throwing out almost all of them relatively quickly after they are written, preserving a few that have some kind of value, and then honing them and turning them into durable myths. Yes. <coughs> and the same thing can be said of a religion. You cannot found a religion. You can found something that functions on those modalities, which I would say is correctly understood to be a cult. And then a very tiny fraction of those cults turns out to have some sort of durability, lasting power, and uh, capacity to, in some way or other, enhance the lives of uh, believers and adherents. Yeah. And, you know, cult always has a negative valence to it, a negative connotation. But um, if we try to put that aside for the moment, what you're arguing is that a story with staying power can become myth, a cult with staying power can become religion. Um, but at its, uh, at its origin, neither a story nor a cult has the capacity to, at, the, at once, at, at its inception, call itself either myth or religion. Right. <coughs> I apologize. Um, so what I'm, what I'm getting at, I agree with the point about the negative valence. I think we need to stop you having a negative valence for uh, cults and stories. And we need to think about them in terms of the chances that that one is a durable one are very, very low. So our skepticism of both things, right? A story can be entertaining, but what are the chances that a story is valuable? Well, if we know nothing about the content of the story, it's very low. And um, the same thing for a cult. What is the chance that that set of beliefs and traditions has uh, is more beneficial than it is harmful to adherence? Chances are very, very low. But you know, all all the religions of the world that have succeeded in uh, protecting a population and facilitating its flourishing have started there, and all the myths have started as just stories as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do. Th I I think we need different words though, because cult does also mean something you know different and specific, and there are plenty of stories that don't have the capacity to turn into myths. So it's, I, I would say this is an imprecise mapping. It, well, yeah. <clears throat> I don't think so, but I think it does require uh, extra precision to get there because somebody who imbues a cult with the capacity to advise that person as if it were a religion that has withstood the test of time is making an error. So the point is that the negative... I didn't follow that. The negative connotation of the term cult comes from the fact... You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't say that a, uh, a book that contained a description of a potential, a candidate religion, was itself dangerous. It is the adherence to it. That is to say, people who ascribe it 
with that kind of potential, uh, that kind of value in the present before it has stood the test of time and before it has been refined by selection in any way are making an error. They are um, treating something with the capacity to advise that it doesn't, it is not yet known to have. So, that, that's fair. I, I don't think that addresses the question of how, I mean, I, I just, I wasn't, I'm not prepared for this conversation. I'm not remembering the various technical definitions that have been proposed for what makes a thing a cult as opposed to some other small organization. And uh, I think uh, that there are qual characteristics of cults that are not inherently found in religion. Well, so what I, what I, the part that's important for the argument <coughs> that I'm making is that the value of these things has never been in their factual accuracy, right? And this has tripped up secularists who look yep. at the factual inaccuracy of many of these belief sure. systems and imagine it to invalidate the whole project mm -hmm. rather than saying, actually, factual accuracy was never the point. Um, what the point is prescriptive. How should you behave, right? And because these traditions, the ones that have withstood the test of time, I'm not arguing that any individual one is good or bad, right? There may be some that are pure bad. Probably all of them have components of both. Um, but the point is when, you know, as, as I've argued many times, a literally false metaphorically true idea is one that if you behave as if it was true, you do better than you would if you behaved according to the fact that it is false. And so in this framework, you have the ability to hand down ideas, ideas that may be factually in conflict with the evidence, have people behave as if it is not in conflict with the evidence, and for some reason do better. Now, what I'm arguing is that cancel culture is doing exactly this. Cancel culture, wokeness, is strangely indifferent to the fact that what it claims is factually true is so deeply in conflict with what is well understood already and 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 observable by simple means simple means yeah. right and so this i think again this is tripping uh, we who are highly skeptical of the woke revolution are in some ways tripped up the way scientific secularists are tripped up by religious claims that are obviously not right like the earth is 6,000 years old, mm -hmm. right? Secularists are often, you know, well, why, obviously it's not 6,000 years old, years old, therefore it is invalid. Oh, so the tripped up, by, by tripped up you mean we find the obvious falsehood and we say that's all you need. That's all you need to know. Yep, we're, we're, like, done. We're, we're done here. Clearly this makes no sense. These people aren't serious. They're not paying attention to reality. Therefore, can we just stop already? Right. And that's not that's that's neither um it it has been often discussed that that is actually not the right way to dissuade people who who believe a thing with you know with with rationality and logic in the face of a firmly held belief. Uh, but I think you're saying you're coming at it from a slightly different perspective. You're saying uh, this is going to be that this is ineffective in understanding what it is because we're stopping too soon in our analysis of it. Right. We are. We are. We are like people who want to drag a geologist to a creationist and say. 
talk <laughs> show to them, them the strata right show them the strata show yeah. them just how long lived the thing is and then they'll understand that that thing they believe in is wrong and the point is factual accuracy about the nature of the dirt was never the point mm -hmm. right where the universe came from was never the point where yeah. people came from was never the point the point was always how should you behave right now the dangerous thing here and the thing i want to distinguish right obviously you know, if I have to pick between, uh, you know, fatwas and stabbings and uh, being maligned on Wikipedia, obviously I prefer the latter, mm -hmm. right? However, the one, the ancient version, is at least about something. Now, again, I'm not defending anything about it. It is absolutely vile that somebody uh, stabbed Salman Rushdie. You're trying to explain it the same way you have tried to explain the Nazis. Well, yes, but I'm also saying there is something, the fact that cancel culture has some analogy in the sense that it wants to fiat belief, that it wants to fiat beliefs that are in conflict with factual evidence and is completely indifferent to the comparison between the two, yeah. is about the fact that this is some sort of brand new cult, right? It has two things going against it. One of them is... Uh, it wants perfectly dangerous, insane things, and it is in no way tested by any process, right? Mm -hmm. So the point is, it's like somebody came up with this bullshit and now wants to hand it down with the authority of God. And the point is, the authority of God is not about a deity. The authority of God is about the test of time, and no time has passed here, right? So what we're watching is a cult of some kind of power structure, some kind of power structure that wants the right to alter the most fundamental things about civilization on the basis of beliefs that are completely wrong, but it hasn't even demonstrated that it knows anything that would allow it to last a decade, right? Nothing at all. This is actually um, highly relevant to one of the things I wanted to talk about, which I could insert here or I could, I could hold off. It's your call. Um, let, let me just let me just insert uh, one, one of the things that I was hoping to talk about. It, it's going to feel very not in keeping, but I know that you've got you, you're going to be able to return to this. Yep. Um, I ran into this story this week, Zach. What is the tampon tax? Twenty eight states do not charge sales tax on menstrual products. This is on a site called usafacts.org, which is a site I had never heard of before, uh, which if you look, uh, we're just going to, we're going to try uh, to uh, look at what they say they, they believe. Principles, USA Facts believes that facts deserve to be heard. Democracy is only successful when it's grounded in truth. We're here to provide that grounding with trusted government data that's both easy to access and understand. We standardize data straight from government agencies and present in plain language with helpful visualization so you can understand the history of programs and policies. Okay, and they say a number of, of things here about being comprehensive, understandable, factual and unbiased, contextual. I don't know about people-centric. I don't know what they... <laughs> are claiming there, but um, and it's and it's started by uh, a former CEO of Microsoft, current owner of the LA Clippers. I don't know why that's relevant, but you always see those two things together with regard to this guy. Um, oops, I lost the. Oops, so take away my screen for a second, Zach. Uh, thank you. Uh, so the original article here um, that got me to this site. What is the tampon tax? 
begins with this sentence. About a quarter of the U.S. population are women in the 15 to 49 age group, and while not everyone in the group needs menstrual products, footnote, it's an essential part of life for many. So just before I go to that footnote, I will say the the question is one that may not be of interest to many of our listeners and viewers, but it is it is a question about if if you are one of the, you know, half of Americans who at some point in your life are likely to end up needing menstrual products. Uh, and this feels like a necessary, uh, this, this is there, this is something that is necessary that you did not choose, that is just part of what your life is. Uh, should that thing be taxed? Right. And so that's, that's what these data are being collated to, to address. Like which states do, which states don't. Um, but this footnote, not everyone in the group needs menstrual products. The group, again, being women in the 15 to 49 age group. Footnote one, well, it turns out these people don't know how to write footnotes because footnote one is irrelevant, but it's actually footnote three that they mean here. Wow, that's tiny too. Um, for those of you looking, you can now see it says women outside of this age group and people of any gender who menstruate may also need these products. Now, again, <laughs> This is, this is on a site, usafacts.org, uh, that has described itself. And indeed, I will find here the Washington Post interview of this guy, Steve Ballmer. The, here, Zach, you can show my screen again if you want. Um, the Washington Post interview of the guy who founded USA Facts. Uh, this is an interview from 2017. It says, again, the former chief executive of Microsoft and the current owner of the LA Clippers. Um, he describes himself here as a pro-facts partisan. Okay, so he's trying to be clever here. He's a pro-facts partisan. So on this site, which describes itself as many ways as it can think to, as being about facts, not about opinions, not about caring about your feelings, not about you know choosing an ideology, it has snuck in to the footnote of this article the idea that... <laughs> You are a woman if you say you're a woman, and that is going to mean that we can no longer talk about basically menstrual products being only for women. And it feels to me that this is very much precisely, if, if I may, Zach, precisely about uh, the same kind of thing that you are talking about here with regard to sneaking in, sneaking in ideas that are just bald-faced against what everyone can see, right? It's... What you, how you feel, how you want to dress, how you want to present. So some people won't agree with this, but it's all good. But then claiming that how you feel and how you want to dress makes you the thing that you're not. And therefore causes a site that claims to be about facts and is being, you know, is started and led by a so-called pro-facts partisan to tie themselves in knots, writing footnotes that make no sense at all is a sign that we are not in a reality-based universe at this point. It is exactly that, that we are not in a reality-based universe. And what I was going to argue as part of this model is that, you know, we talk about these things as virtue signaling. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to argue that whether that is, there is certainly an element of that, signaling your virtue to people. What these really are, though, more fundamentally, is shibboleths. Right? They are shibboleths, yes. They are shibboleths. And so imagine for a second that a cult... A shibboleth being uh, a word uh, that uh, the pronunciation of which can identify whether or not you are of this or another tribe. Right. So <coughs> the basic point is the word shibboleth itself is arbitrarily 
the correct pronunciation is arbitrary. And somebody who has just learned your language, you know, a spy, may uh, be able to read it and pronounce it in some way. But among the various ways, you know, Shibboleth, Shibboleth, whatever you might Sepulveda. say. <laughs> Sepulveda. <laughs> My yeah, favorite exactly. one for whether or not you're actually from Los Angeles or not. Sepulveda. Um, <clears throat> but it reveals yep. that you're not one of us. Mm -hmm. And the point really is those of us, you know, uh, us who are playing the role of the secularists here, looking at the woke, going, wait a second, you, what you just said is so wrong. I can, I can explain to you exactly why it's wrong. And we're completely missing the boat. And the yeah. point is really the wronger, the better. Because what you want, ah, if you're going to inflict this stuff on doctors, for example, right, you want 17 things that doctors now have to say that they all know aren't true so that somebody who's not really with you and is just hoping this will blow over reveals themselves, right? Mm -hmm. You only want the people who are, you know, will do anything to stay in and therefore will sign up for whatever nonsense you've decided is medically sophisticated. I think I lost track. Who's the you here? Which side is the you on? If you are the revolution the, like the woke revolution well woke is one version of this but if you are the, don't, don't if you are the revolution that is going to use fiat okay. to hand down here is how you are to behave uh, salman rushdie mm -hmm. he is not an acceptable human being anymore yeah. you are to accept that he is no longer acceptable and that that has certain consequences you are to accept that these treatments are uh, safe and effective Right, you J.K. Are Rowling is no longer an acceptable human being. Right, if you are going to accept the no. handed down from on high conclusion about who's in and who's out and yep. what's true and what's false and how we are to behave, right? That's the point. Is that this is either one or several cults haven't passed the test of time that are now behaving with the authority to make us subscribe. And anybody who doesn't subscribe is cast out, is punished, all sorts of things happen to them. So some sort of secular equivalent of a fatwa. Mm -hmm. And people, therefore, who don't get cast out, increasingly are accumulating beliefs at odds with the basic facts of reality, right? How can that be, right? Well, this is how that can be. And I would argue that in one sense, the secularists are again, in some ways, <coughs> at fault here. Because what's happened is it's this phenomenon, uh, apparently various people have said this, the religion-shaped whole. Mm -hmm. That to the extent that uh, it is true that religion is a product of evolution, that its purpose is not to tell you how the universe works, but to tell you how to behave. It is a narrative structure that comes with uh, prescriptive um, uh, recipes for well-being, and that the stories that come along with it are at odds with the fact I, facts, either because those who wrote those stories didn't have access to the facts, right, or because the purpose is to be at odds with the facts in order to figure out who's on board and who isn't. So what we are dealing with is a bunch of cults that are using an architecture built into the human mind, right? The desire to have somebody tell me how it is that I should behave in a confusing world. And if that somebody is an ancient tradition that has passed the test of time, then there will be at least some wisdom in the prescriptions of how to behave. Not in the facts as they are described, but in the what you're supposed to do. The thou shalt and thou shalt nots will carry wisdom. That is not the case for some brand new cult that is handing down uh, pseudo-wisdom and nonsense stories um, by fiat backed by threat, 
right? That's where we are. And well, it's not inherently the case. So your, your point is, if it's ancient, and it has persisted, there is likely to be there is very likely to be some wisdom there. If it is modern, and therefore it has not stood any test of time, that that is all we know. It has not stood a test of time, and therefore uh, the near certainty that there is some wisdom therein uh, is much lower. Well, I'm going to go a step further, and I realize <clears throat> you are correctly repeating back an argument that I just made a few minutes ago that we have to be indifferent as to whether or not it will stand the test of time. In the case of the modern cults, I don't think we do. These particular active cults that are using this religious modality to feed us uh, prescriptions by fiat power because there is science and we are able to look at the things that we have been told about what we must do and we are able to evaluate the question of whether or not they did function to our benefit. Right. So, for example, the question of vaccine safety and effectiveness, which we were handed by fiat, these vaccines are safe and effective. Right. Follow the science. That's what we were told. Now um, we can see that story <coughs> coming apart. And so the fact that we have been handed something that caused people to harm themselves or to take risks that they didn't need to take. Why were children vaccinated with these things? If they stood effectively, no, a healthy child stood effectively, no risk from COVID. Why would they accept a treatment that would expose them to significant risk? So in this case, what we have is an early um, ability. The test of time has already proven these things false, I guess is what I'm in some Same. cases, I mean, I, th I think it, it's unfortunate. It's too easy to go like, okay, well, here we're talking about this one. Here we're talking about this one. This this is already this is already falsified. Sure, we got lots of these things. They're already falsified with varying degrees of the recognition of that falsification. I will say though, um, to interject again, one of the things that I wanted to get to ultimately uh, is that the CDC has updated its COVID guidelines, and so let us just talk about that a little bit here, Good. since since you raised it. Um, NPR reports. Um, NPR reports on Twitter. Who knew? Um, they say the update isn't a huge overhaul of the existing guidance, but it does represent an increasing focus on individuals making their own decisions about their level of risk and how they want to mitigate that risk. Said Dr. Marcus Plessia, chief medical officer for, I didn't look up what that is. Um, so NPR's summary of the CDC's updated guidelines, and I'll show you the actual CDC guidelines <clears throat> shortly. The summary has four bullet points. Those exposed to the virus are no longer required to quarantine. Unvaccinated people now have the same guidance as vaccinated people. Students can stay in class after being exposed to the virus, and it's no longer recommended to screen those without symptoms. The second bullet point is the doozy, right? Unvaccinated people now have the same guidance as vaccinated people. Well, isn't it obvious then that hidden in that bullet point is we recognize that effectively you are the same, that um, these these things for which so many people's lives have been destroyed, um, and I'm not even talking about the vaccine injured, I'm talking about those who have resisted and therefore have lost opportunities, have lost jobs, have lost family, have lost friends, have lost all of these things, um, are now, it's going to just quietly slip in, oh, by the way, it's fine. Never mind. Not even in our bad, though. Wow. Not even in our bad. Hold on. Um, let me let me put up the actual CD, CDC document. Uh, let me 
put it up in the PDF form though, so I can show. So here's the CDC document that it's it's in. Yeah, um, this is from August 11th, so a couple days ago. CDC summary of guidance for minimizing the impact of COVID-19 on individual persons, communities, and healthcare systems, United States, August 2022. Uh, they of course put out a lot of these things. Um, this is the most recent one. And if we scroll down to see vaccines and therapeutics to re to reduce medically significant uh, illness, let me just make this a little bit bigger for those reading along at home. Except that doesn't really work. Um, yeah, that doesn't really work. So I'm just going to have to. You're just going to have to squint. Uh, COVID-19 vaccination. They start by saying COVID-19 vaccines are highly protective against severe illness and death and provide a lesser degree of protection against asymptomatic and mild infection. Then, receipt of a primary series alone in the absence of being up to date with vaccination through receipt of all recommended booster doses provides minimal protection against infection and transmission. Being up to date with vaccination provides a transient period of increased protection against infection and transmission after the most recent dose, although protection can wane over time. That is a huge admission. And it's not that suddenly there's a lot new, a lot of new data out, or there's a lot of new um, analysis of, of existing data. No, this is, these are things that we have known. And I don't know what prompted this report now, but what we are seeing is we are, we, the CDC are going to put out a report that allows, that allows those organizations who have been listening to us as if we are the law, which they are not, uh, to start treating the unvaccinated like full people again, while acknowledging that actually these vaccines, what do they say? provide minimal protection and provide a transient period of increased protection, which wanes over time. So <clears throat> I agree with the interpretation uh, that you put on it. This is a tacit admission. Yes. Right. What it functions as though, the whole point, and uh, again, uh, longtime viewers and listeners of Dark Horse will remember discussions in which we talk about the fact that sometimes uh, the correct narrative emerges in the end. But what must not happen from the point of view yes. of these power players is that they must not vindicate those who were right about it at the time. So yes. they do not go back and clean up the record. This is a perfect uh, example of that. Mm -hmm. And I would say that what they are doing, uh, maybe Catholics will bristle at this, but you know, again, this is not an attack on Catholics. What they're doing, though, is effectively doing this by encyclical, right? Mm. They are simply updating the wisdom from the oracle, right? The person with the connection to God is telling us what the new wisdom on the vaccines is. And the new wisdom on the vaccines is that the vaccinated and the unvaccinated are equivalent now, right? They are not saying, actually, our old story fell apart so violently that we are forced to backtrack and you, by the way, probably ought to figure out who was right about that in the first place and start listening to them because they had us beat from the get-go. They will never say that. No, they will not. So what they're doing is simply updating the guidance. And you're only supposed to care yep. about the immediate belief structure of the thing that hands down the instructions by fiat. That's mm -hmm. why the encyclical works here. And <clears throat> again... It is because whatever it is that has captured the CDC 
is functioning to create something that fits a religion-shaped hole. A religion-shaped hole is not about figuring the truth of the universe. It's about figuring out what am I to do, right? And what am I to do is, oh, I am now to start treating the vaccinated and unvaccinated equally, which, of course, you should have done all along, right? What's more, it lags (coughs) the reality, right? It does not pay any attention to the accumulating evidence that, in fact, these vaccines have been harmful, right, have actually crippled people's immunity. It completely ignores the fact that even the data that they use to argue that these things have some substantial effect that, yes, wanes over time, ignores the fact that they create a vulnerability when you're first given them, right? So this is all you know, coming down, this is, this is, oh, by the way, there's a burning bush on that mountaintop over there. And I spoke with it and I came down with the new wisdom about how it is that we are to behave. And you're never going to believe this, but I know that we were, uh, we were busy scorning and throwing out of our homes and our theaters, the unvaccinated. But, uh, as of now, uh, we're going to stop doing that. Yeah. Right. We, yeah, we, we, we encourage you to stop doing that. And, you know, I was for a while on a weekly basis checking for, with, for instance, the local theater companies, you know, who, who, who's going to let us in. And, uh, I just, I gave up a couple months ago. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. You know, these, these people are insane and they don't understand anything about reality or science. And they're just never going to let people who didn't take the jabs back in. And, it turns out um, that quietly, without you know, without some of us noticing, I just got told yesterday. Oh yeah, actually, um, at least here in Portland, Oregon, suddenly, um, most of these places are are letting in the unvaccinated, again, aren't checking, aren't asking for negative tests, all of it. And you know, again, the question that you know I'm stuck on, and I know that this is exactly part of what you are what you were talking about. Like I'm stuck on like what changed. What happened, guys? What what happened in your own head? And for the most part, people don't operate that way. You know, I want to know what happened, and I want accountability, and I want some damn apologies at the at the societal level, and I want this to never happen again. And instead, what we see is well, what the CDC said, but oh well, it's just a oh, it, uh, it's a lot of mumbling and a lot of like footnotes right. and uh, and whereas just. If you would uh, put on my screen for a moment, Zach, again, a tweet uh, from someone I don't know. I don't know who this is. Politically homeless, too, is what they call themselves. Uh, a thread regarding the news of the CDC's new guidelines in no particular order. I was not allowed to volunteer at my kids' schools for over a year because I wasn't vaccinated. A family refused to carpool with us because they said they were uncomfortable with their son sharing a car with us. We had been ratted out by a mutual friend who said to the other mom, well, you do know they aren't vaccinated, right? We were uninvited to good friends to share a vacation house with them. A long-standing tradition was ended over medical choice. They all got COVID anyway, of course. My daughter couldn't attend a theater production with her school's theater company because Denver Center rules. 50% of the restaurants and many businesses in our neighborhood were off limits to us. I won't forget which ones. I'm just going to read this because this mat- like, we don't have any of these precise stories, but it's, it's a freaking match for so many people's experience. We had to eat ice cold lunches out of a backpack huddled outside with frozen hands when we skied at Vale Resort because we weren't allowed inside the lodges. I could never get warm. I bailed on the rest of the season after just two days of my pass. Wasn't worth it. I wasn't allowed to stay in a hotel or eat in any restaurant for a work trip to DC. I had to cancel it altogether as it made travel there impossible. My husband, having trained already for six months, was banned from participating in an Ironman event. A group of his friends told him over text that he was endangering them and their families, and they told him he couldn't stay in the Airbnb with them for and 
they told him he couldn't stay in the Airbnb with them for a trip they had been planning. They no longer speak to him. I was called a conspiracy theorist by dear friends and was left in the dust by them socially. I would have given one of my kidneys to these friends. They cut me off after a vax that didn't stop transmission or infection. My teens experienced unbelievable amounts of stress. We didn't book a trip. I was disinvited. My husband was fired. So yes, and it goes on and on. I'm just, I, I elided some of that. So yes, I am seething a bit right now, having read the CDC's new guidance, knowing that this was what the guidance should have been all along, minus the, ridic- minus the ridiculous masking. I want apologies and I want assurances that this won't happen again. I know that won't come though. This, that thread speaks for a tremendous number of people. And those, even those who became skeptical, uh, who didn't get boosted, who did their first shot or first two shots and then said, no, actually no more, I'm not seeing it. This set of experiences is invisible to, to a majority of Americans, at least, and I think in most of the weird world. And that invisibility means that it is more likely to be able to happen again. Yes. Um, I, of course, share exactly your sense of ire and your desire for an apology, because, of course, an apology would involve some power to prevent it from happening again. Yes. And exactly, you could reference the apology. Exactly none of that has been conveyed here. Right. Now, of course, again, that is perfectly predictable that it would go through this. So the real question is, those of us in our position, how do we push the point and say, not good enough, not nearly good enough, mm-hmm. and uh, here's the never again problem, okay? We had a system in which reality was ri- arrived at through processes, journalistic processes, dialectic processes, scientific processes. That's how Western civilization works. They bypassed the entire thing. They decapitated it and they handed us down directly as if they had gone up a mountain and talked to a fucking burning bush. They handed us directly, you know, as if from God, here is the things you are to believe and to act upon. They were wrong. They did tremendous harm and they brutally punished those of us who stood up and said, you couldn't possibly know what you're saying. The mechanisms to know do not exist. You are lying if you are claiming to know these things because you couldn't. Even if your conclusions had been accurate, you are lying in claiming that you can know these things when they claimed to know them because they couldn't possibly have known them at the time. And I love the metaphor of decapitation here because then what they did is they took the head, no longer attached to the system of science, to the dialectic, to the process by which we actually come to understand truth. They stuck it on a stick and they put it in front of us and had it jaw off at us. And a lot of people believed it said, okay, that talking head must represent science and truth and reality and democracy. It must. Well, and they also, they used a childish, cartoonish uh, mechanism built into the minds of many people Mm. to trigger this. Mm -hmm. I mean, remember how Anthony Fauci became Anthony Fauci to all of us in the public who didn't know who he was, right? He was the guy who had his head in his hands next to Trump, oh, listening yes. to yeah, yeah. you know Trump be unscientific at the podium. Yeah. That happens. Trump got some stuff right and he got some stuff wrong. But the fact is, Anthony Fauci was visually, in the minds of people, the mental alternative to Trump, which is why he was imbued with uh, effectively a divine sense of truth about him, mm-hmm. which has... Well, no, and it was also... 
As it turns out, as you just said, Trump got some stuff right and he got some stuff wrong. As COVID was emerging in that spring of 2020, and he was, Trump was being his usual blustering, off the cuff, pain in the ass, bombast. you know, bombast. It was really easy to think, oh my God, if only we had someone who knew what they were doing. And, and you could see, you could see some of the stuff that he was just getting wrong. And some of the stuff's like, no, don't, could you not? Right. And so to have someone who appeared to have, you know, the imprimatur of science, and of history and of sobriety and of, you know, just he was, he was there on his own recognizance and he knew what he was doing to be, to be, to be in that sort of face plant, like, oh, I'm so dismayed to be working for this man. It felt like the antidote. And because it was easy for many people to think, if not for Trump, we'd have this thing kicked. We'd, 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 we'd know what to do, and this would be over already. Obviously, it was going to be Fauci was the answer. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and that visual impression of the sober, scientific, dweeby, but highly competent alternative to the bombast who reads stuff on the internet and can't keep it to himself, right? That thing was architected. And it, you know, yeah. Just so happens that the sober alternative happened to be a guy, one of a tiny number of people central to the process of bypassing the gain of function research ban and offshoring the work to the very lab that likely released this thing, right? It, it, it's almost beyond, uh, it's so preposterous, it's almost beyond uh, plausible. No, you would have taken a few of those characteristics out of the screenplay because it would it's have been too, beyond. It's too much. It's too, it's too much. cartoonish. It's too much. But, I mean, actually, can we play the uh, the video of uh, Anthony we Fauci? We're watching a video of Anthony Fauci um, earlier this week at the Fred Hutchison Cancer Center in Seattle, um, uh, speaking kind of off the cuff. It's interesting. Um, well, you can't hear him, so... Let me tell you what he said. Okay. Okay. It was, um, it's only, it's like a 50 second. Yeah, it's a 50 second thing. Most people have probably seen it already, but. Please tell them what they said without actually um, adopting his voice or his, his mannerisms. I'm not sure that I can recover from that. Oh, okay. okay. We're going to okay. try it again. It's in the middle. Okay. All right, skip it. Sorry about that. <clears throat> Anthony Fauci, uh, and I will not imitate him for... Uh, marital reasons. <laughs> for marital reasons, because I don't know if what he's got is contagious. But um, <clears throat> anyway... I just would never be able to look at you the same way. What he effectively says with uh, obvious... Uh, glee. Glee, delight, pride, all of the... you know I don't know how many sins are involved, but... Um, a I don't think there's them. any gluttony. I'm sure there is, um, but uh, anyway. He's trim. Oh, the, the dude, uh, you know, he's diminutive, but uh, he cuts a fine figure. But anyway. Um, what does the man say? He says that apparently there's something dubbed the Fauci effect. Mm. So far as I can tell, he dubbed it the Fauci effect. Sure. But um, something called the Fauci effect in yeah. which people are 
they are applying to medical school um, because his uh, scientific, competent, blah, blah, blah modality has inspired them to take up um, medicine uh, by his model or something like this. Which, mm-hmm. Because, he says, I, Fauci, symbolize integrity and truth. Not to me, he doesn't. Well, that's but I, I, I just looked up the the little little the little blurb. That what what actually does he say? The Fauci effect. More and more people going to medical school. He claims uh, is because he symbolizes integrity and truth, especially. And I think you know, I'm paraphrasing here. In this era of misinformation, he invokes January sixth. Uh, yeah, he invokes a range of things from January sixth to whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My God, it's, I mean, really, it's like, it's 52 seconds. It's quite a thing. It's 52 seconds, and he really crams a lot in there. It's the, it's the equal of that one where he said that he was science. Mm, Yeah, Um, yeah. And, you know, it's it's so much the man, you know, the the wizard behind the curtain. But um, anyway, point being, this is the structure that decapitated the thing that we, the messy thing that we used to have that figured out what was true, medically speaking, and what wasn't true, and what to do about it. Yeah. Um, they just supplanted the whole thing. Yeah. They yeah. got between your doctor and your pharmacist, mm-hmm. something that is unprecedented, mm-hmm. right? And they just started handing down these uh, these encyclicals that changed the behavior of our entire medical establishment. And anyway, I wanted to, to point out a couple things about this, right? So they're functioning in a religious modality. They've I would argue, tapped into the religion-shaped whole issue Mm -hmm. that is especially open for those people who are secular, right? Which is going to be a higher number of people on the left, which is part of why this is going to be more effective. High number of people, highly Mm -hmm. represented in science. Mm -hmm. Um, But in any case, um, this is part and parcel of a radical shift, a radical revolution that is taking over the entirety of the West, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. What they've done is they have begun to hand down by fiat a description of the truth, right? Remember when they tried to tell us that the virus couldn't possibly have emerged from the laboratory in Wuhan. That was just a simple matter of, well, here's the truth, and we're handing it down. And well, there's, I mean, they're still doing that. I mean, there's course. a recent Christian Anderson paper that we referenced a week or two ago. Yeah, there's, they're still, they're, they're, they're oh. on that. They're also, sorry, I know you're, you're on a roll here, but um, <clears throat> the CDC guideline, the new CDC guidelines, also kind of obscure the fact that now. Yeah, natural immunity is is real, and it's just as good as vaccine-induced immunity. It may last longer. Right. What? So what? Hello again? What did you say? Because weren't we fighting over this? That you know, there, we were scientists were being scoffed at for claiming that natural immunity could possibly be a real thing. That having had COVID, you might actually have immunity, and therefore not have to submit to the you know also formulated in a lab version of the immunity. Right. That came. Via syringe. And in fact, you have the oracle from on high handing down uh, factual claims like natural immunity is uh, does in no way obviate the need for uh, COVID vaccination. Mm-hmm. You have it participating with uh, social media labeling things that are true as false right. you have the the um department of homeland security 
declaring three kinds of falseness terrorism, one of which literally involves truth, which is inconvenient for government and causes distrust of it, yeah. right? The whole thing is about, look, here are the beliefs you will now subscribe to. Their relationship to reality is not the point. And anybody who feels an obligation to reality is about to out themselves because they're going to be forced to mouth certain truths that are simply false, right? The labels are going to be reversed, right? This is all a matter of a cult inflicting its new belief system all of a sudden. And it is going after truth. That is to say, there is no major journalistic establishment that is independent of this. <clears throat> the university system itself is mouthing the shibboleths, mm -hmm. right? History is being rewritten by the same oracle-based mechanism, mm -hmm. right? The, the 1619 Project, etc. We are simply taking a version of history that serves an ideology and we are imposing it over actual history. Mm -hmm. We have the guilt and innocence of people being a matter of uh, encyclical as well, right? So the raid on Mar-a-Lago oh. is supposedly justified by the fact that this is the most law-breaking president in history. That's why we get to go after people the way, you know, developing countries used to, you know, political factions used to go after each other. Really, what's he been convicted of, right? The, the, so, uh, and even just the goodness and badness of people. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is this is another place where the rubber meets the road. Human beings, because we have been forged by lineage against lineage competition, we are wired for that just the same way we are wired for religion. We are wired to want to know who's on the team and who isn't on the team. This is something that the West did the best job yet of getting past and is now being uninvented. We have returned to a place where we're supposed to figure out, oh, who are the good people and who are the people who are my enemy, right? We are not supposed to say we are all Americans, for example, right? And we are united by that even over if we differ over policy and what the wise direction to go would be. We are Americans first, right? No, no, no. The question is who's good and who's bad, right? And, you know, yeah, sometimes that's a question of, you know, who's Jewish. In this case, it could be a question of who's vaccinated, right? But the point is these things are all being handed down by the same mechanism, which is being imposed over the superior mechanism that the West Yes, it never completed the project, but the West innovated and developed in which we had another method for figuring this stuff out, like falsification, mm -hmm. right? Like, um, you know, collaborating on a project even if we disagree over the particulars, right? So we are being returned to a previous world without the benefit of the narrative structure or ideology having passed through the test of time and at least being valid in some sense, Right? It's valid in no sense. It is, in fact, in direct conflict with reality in a way that causes people who follow it to do very rapid self-harm. Mm -hmm. Right, So this is, um, I think this is becoming really clear. And if you are shocked by the attack on Salman Rushdie, you should be equally shocked that a different flavor of the same is taking over Western civilization and replacing all of the mechanisms that have stood the test of time. The only alternative we have to that team-based modality, that is being replaced by something in which some oracle is going to decide what, <coughs> what you need to do, what you need to think, who you need to attack. And the fact is, there's just there's no future in this.
There is no future. We cannot play those games with the kind of weaponry at our disposal. We cannot play those, those games with the number of people on the planet. We cannot play the, those games with the amount of industrial power at our disposal. This is just a fatal proposal. It is. And uh, it doesn't seem to be coming from one place. You know, one of the things that I think often now is, boy, wouldn't it be great if we had a president? Uh, now, I don't, I don't know who could be president at the moment, who would be standing up in, in the various ways that such a person would need to stand up. But certainly having someone uh, who is, has been MIA since before he attained the presidency, uh, it's not a good moment for that. And one thing that we have been observing since before COVID and uh, which was not really observable, which couldn't be seen by many who, like us, saw the problem in the academy but weren't scientists and so couldn't see the problem within science, is science, the process of science has become so market-driven and so much about money and so much about who you know and therefore both a social and a financial process rather than a process of discovery and of understanding what is true that it it is now a game it, and therefore it is gameable and so i think i will save for another time um a discussion i, I wanted to talk a little bit there's a um there are just a number of stories now of uh, important, impressive scientists or important, impressive scientific findings on which lots of things are based, uh, be it ocean acidification or the Alzheimer's research, where, oh, as it turns out, just flat out fraud. We just made up the data. Turns out. Now, kudos in the couple of cases that I just mentioned to the whistleblowers who said, ah, no, uh-uh, this is, this is not how science works. But for each one of these things I just discovered, for on which basis someone's reputation is made and therefore their career is apparently guaranteed, how many are not discovered? How many of these, of these scientific findings that we are basing our understanding on are actually one person, one flawed human being who at some point dreamed of being a scientist, presumably with all of the best intentions, and then found themselves again instead in a social game and a financial game and made one, then a couple, then a series of extraordinarily bad decisions and threw science overboard. And now we have a scientific record. This is far outside of COVID, but of course, COVID puts this all under very sharp relief that you can't look at and know what you're seeing. Because when are the when are the data actually the data? We don't know. We don't know anymore. The, the the level of fraud that we are now hearing about in science is extraordinary, and of course that's going to be a tiny fraction of what is actually going on. A tiny fraction. I mean, in fact, <clears throat> it's an exact analog to the uh, the p hacking apocalypse yes. in uh, in psychology. Yes. Um, what I mean by that, I will tell you, I was railing against p-values um, long before p-hacking uh, had come to public attention. It's inevitable that you will have this development based on the fact that you have so much at stake 
in who succeeds in finding a pattern that they can publish. And, and the process doesn't. is obvious. Right. If you understand statistics well enough to be doing these sorts of tests, you can see how you would do it if you didn't have integrity. Well, even inadvertently, right? Even inadvertently. If nobody publishes the studies that come out insignificant, <coughs> you have a survivor bias. Right. So the system can do it inadvertently. The system can do it inadvertently. An unscrupulous bias. person can yes. turbocharge it. Yes. And the point is, <clears throat> is there any reason to think that that's limited to psychology? No. I guarantee you it will happen in every field in which statistics play a prominent role. Mm -hmm. What's more, what you're describing is inevitable based on the fact that this is in effect a realm of uh, science done by the honor system. Mm -hmm. And it is not that science done by the honor system is implausible. It can be done by the honor system, but not with the system of incentives. Mm -hmm. With the system of incentives deployed the way they are, it is inevitable that people who are really good at cheating will rise rapidly, and people who learn how to coordinate across a discipline and cheat will rise rapidly. And so this yes. is going to be an epidemic, and it in part explains how it is that our system was decapitated, mm -hmm. because the fact is it was very feeble. It was yeah. in a compromised state based on um, the fact that fraud will have played a major role in bringing us um, to where we are. Yes. <clears throat> That's... That's all exactly right, and uh, and what a what a precipice, honestly. Well, what a, what what a what a crazy precipice to find ourselves on, at um, looking over it, and and to return to some of the earlier points, to be looking around, going like, you guys can see, right? You guys can see that we're at a cliff's edge, and many people are saying, I don't. What are you talking about? We're good. It's all good. Well, well you, can, you can now go to the restaurants, right? So it's fine. Right, which to me sounds a little bit like, uh, sorry, we jumped the gun. Jews are now welcome at the restaurants. And it's like, okay, I remember not being welcome there last week. And uh, okay, it's all well and good that I have more restaurants to choose from I this do week. I like but, the salad there, but... But um, now, I know, <clears throat> now I know what you're capable of. Yes. And uh, frankly, I'm not going to those restaurants. Mm -hmm. Right? I just, the point is, okay, you've announced what team you're on and the fact that your team is playing nice this week is irrelevant to me. You've told me, you've told me who you are. I will say too, with regard to, um, I haven't gone and looked at the various restaurants cause I think some of them are also lifting their, their uh, vaccine mandates here in Portland. Um, but on the, at the theater sites, uh, there's always some fine print and it's actually the same font size as the regular, but it seems like the fine print that they kind of don't expect you to read, which says we can of course uh, reverse this reversal at any time. Um, if, if guidelines change guidelines, Guidelines from whom? On what basis? Is someone, anyone walks in and says, I have guidelines. Oh, okay. Right. The guidelines have changed. Therefore, nope, not you. So what they are is saying, uh, we are on team encyclical, mm -hmm. right? So the, the encyclical has, a, we, of course, we're going to follow the, the CDC wisdom because, you know, it's the CDC after all. But of course, you know, you know we're going to follow the current CDC wisdom and nobody can tell you that except the Oracle, you know, what it's going to look yeah. like a month from now. Yeah. So, Yeah. There's that. We're not fortune tellers, are we? <laughs> right. All, all we can do is follow the CDC, right? Well, no, not when, and this is really the important point, is you do have a choice, right? Yeah. The CDC has been wrong the entire time. Pretty right? much. It's yeah. been wrong on essentially every major issue. If you had done the opposite of what it suggested, you would have been far better off. Mm -hmm. um, yes, go to the beach. Don't get vaccinated. Definitely go to the beach. Do get yourself some ivermectin, mm -hmm. some hydroxychloroquine, right? Get your D. Get your D, right. Mm -hmm. All of these things. So 
The last point I want to make is, what is your real choice? If the CDC is now functioning by Oracle and encyclical, mm-hmm. right, and Anthony Fauci is the reason everybody's going to medical school, and that tells you exactly what kind of doctors they're going to be. Does that mean he's both science and medicine? I think it does. Mm. Yeah. 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 That's uh, That's the big two. That's a lot of weight <laughs> on his rather small shoulders. But um, <clears throat> anyway. I don't think there's any reason to talk about his... His size. There's so many reasons to rail against Anthony Fauci. He's a giant. There's no question about it. No, I mean that. He is a giant. He's a giant threat to uh, our medical well-being. But nonetheless, here's the thing. In this process, it was necessary for this oracle, encyclical, fatwa, cancel process, the one that declared malinformation to be terrorism and then in the fine print said oh malinformation are true things that cause you to distrust your government right that's your department of homeland security it was necessary to target people who were using some other process spotted the cdc guidance as nonsense and were speaking about it openly basically trying to use the process that western civilization naturally does use right i don't know if you saw but alex berenson talked this week about information that he came by through a discovery process. Um, you mean legal discovery? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In which the White House had effectively overtly pressured Twitter to throw him off, right? By name, hmm. right? Now, that is a blatant violation of the First Amendment, but it also tells you something about what's going on. You've got um, wanton disregard for our constitutional rights. You have active antipathy for journalism and anybody committed to engaging in it. We have seen the very same thing targeted at us over engaging in science openly. And that this is effectively the declaration of heresy, right? This is the targeting of apostates. This is the same mechanism as that fatwa stuff, Mm -hmm. right? It did not involve the literal attack, the physical attack on Alex Berenson. But what it does is involve an attack on the ability of people to interact in polite society, the ability to earn a living, um, the ability to distribute the product of your work in public, Mm -hmm. right? This is an attack on something very fundamental and concrete, even if the attack is more abstract than an attack with a knife. And, you know, Alex Berenson suffered that. We have suffered it. Joe Rogan has suffered it. Obviously, uh, Pierre Corey. All the doctors. Robert Malone. <coughs> Ryan Cole. All the doctors. Cole, yep. Right. Um, so the point is, what can you do? If the CDC is now a, um, what would the word be? A publisher of uh, pseudo-wisdom from the Oracle, what can you do? Well, A... You will know that the people who do know, to the extent that they exist, are amongst the heretics and the apostates. How will you know which of the heretics and apostates are uh, actually capable of doing this kind of work and which ones are truly uh, cranks? Predictive power. You will follow science, Mm -hmm. right? The scientific method says you should be interested in those apostates to the extent that they have been ahead of the CDC. Mm-hmm. That would be very interesting. How are they doing that? What mechanism are they using? What uh, you know 
physiological models are they acting based on, right? You should put more and more stock in people who have predicted accurately ahead of time. Gerd Vandenbosch, for example. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so you do have a choice. It's not a good one. And we have to restore a system where institutions can function. But in the absence of it, you are not flying completely blind. You're going to have to actively seek out those who have made sense and have been revealed to be accurate by the test of time. Yes. And I think, um, I mean, that was, maybe we should just end there. But one thing that that reminds me of is when you talk to people who are taking the guidance from on high, listening to the encyclicals and the oracles and such, they will often say, well, I can't see the future, can I? I wouldn't, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just, I'm just going to have to do whatever they tell me to do at some level. And usually they won't say it quite that clearly because that sounds too much like they're following, like they're acting like sheep, but it is in fact what they're doing. And um, there really does seem to be a belief among those who, many of those um, specifically who have no background in science, that predicting the future is akin to magic. Like you, there, is, there is no knowing what's coming, is there? And of course, predicting the future is exactly what scientists do. Mm -hmm. You know, not globally necessarily, you know, within some, within some within a domain. confined domain that they have established as this is the observation that I made that I'm now trying to explain. And I've got these hypotheses that I've generated, and now I'm figuring out which of the predictions, what predictions I can formulate for each hypothesis that, if true, must demonstrate that that hypothesis is false. <clears throat> that is a form of predicting the future. And when people say, well, I, can't, I couldn't possibly know what's going to happen next, can I? You think, well, maybe you should either start honing that skill yourself, or at the very least, start thinking about who among the people whom you could be listening to seem to have that skill and maybe pay them more heed than those who consistently get it wrong. Because the CDC seems to be playing the role of, of the oracle, of the encyclical, of the, that organization that will make the future better than the past. And yet they are doing it wrong over and over and over again. Throw them out. Stop listening to them. Well, I want to uh, make one further point, that you could spot this uh, as it emerged based on one unavoidable tell. Science, even when done beautifully by people who are really committed to the search for truth above all else, is messy, right? As it emerges, there is always conflict over interpretation of a particular result. There is always the revelation that certain results don't mean what they appear to mean because the methodology used was not robust. There's all sorts of noise. Mm -hmm. And so the point is, what we, when we say science, we mean a bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. To the extent that we sometimes mean that which science has discovered, right? Mm -hmm. That is one legitimate use of the term science. We do not mean what did it discover this morning? We mean what that it has yes. discovered has stood up well enough that when you build it into a model, you get smarter and not dumber, mm -hmm. right? Now, my point about the CDC and everything that functions as a part of that pseudo church is there was no process, right? Yeah. The process that would have been necessary for them to arrive at conclusions that were worth anything at all would have been a process of discussion. There would have been mm -hmm. evidence 
that did have noise and conflict. And instead, what we were done, what, what was done was we were assured yeah. that that process had taken place privately by companies with a conflict of interest, yeah. that the evidence that came out of it was very, very clear, and that we would know that as soon as we were able to see it 75 years from now. Right? They tried <laughs> right. to hide the yes. freaking evidence. Yes. And the point was, well, do yeah. you really have a process that's trustworthy? Because it sounds like maybe you don't, and you just want to tell us the prescription that comes out of it. Well, and there's another piece of this. I mean, we could we could go on forever here, but there, there's another piece of this too, which is the sense among the elites. And as, as again, longtime listeners will know, neither you nor I like the idea of the elites. Right? It, it, it is, the elite is trotted out as a way to shut people up. We are the elite. We know what we're doing. The elite have, you know, there's a special process by which you can enter the elite, and then you earn the right to make decisions for those who are not elite is, is part of what the, the unspoken agreement is. And the elites really have gotten used to being able to say, don't worry about it. We did the work. You don't need to see our work. Here's our conclusion. Accept our conclusion. Sit down, shut up, take the jab. It came from a frozen ferret badger steak. You know, it, natural immunity isn't any good. None of these pre-existing treatments will help you. Just take our word for it. We are the ones with the lab coats and the fancy credentials. And we went to all the best schools and we know all the right people. We go to all the right parties. And if you don't believe us, well, that's on you. And also, we're not going to actually let you make that decision for yourself. So, this is this is a kind of again hubris that we find in every domain in journalism in academia in politics in every domain but we we saw this and i you know i'm sure we saw this long before that but i remember running into this attitude at a very non-elite institution at evergreen where many of our colleagues treated students like this you don't want to see how the work is done. I'm just going to give you the conclusion so that you can go on your merry way. And if there is a place where that has, if, if there is any place where that kind of attitude should have no place at all, it's education. Education is exactly where everyone who showed up should be able to get their hands as dirty as they want to get them. But one of the things I think that many people have learned in the last two and a half years in, uh, with regard to COVID is, a lot of people, a lot of people are a lot more willing than most of the so-called elites are willing to give them credit for to try to figure out what is true and what is best for them and their families on their own. And they are done taking so-called elite authorities at their word that they actually have their best interests in mind. Because most people are actually capable of thinking for themselves and want to do so. <coughs> Which goes to the other, the other tell. <clears throat> at the beginning of the pandemic, actually, when you and I started doing the Dark Horse live streams, mm -hmm. we were fascinated to be looking into the preprint literature, the non-peer-reviewed literature, yeah. right? That literature was vibrant. It was noisy as hell as it was, it was bound to be. It's been through no process other than, uh, you know, uh, something about what captures your attention because it's being discussed or something along those and, lines. You know, and most of the work was 
maybe not high enough tech, but like required enough of an infrastructure so that it wasn't just randos on the street going like, I'm going to throw something up on the preprint right. server, right? It was people, people with labs, people with experience, people with some history working with viruses or pandemics or, you know, so, yeah. you know, so it was professionals, yeah. but their work had not individually been put through a process. Right. <clears throat> the point is what was high in that milieu? What was high? Transparency. Yeah. Right. Not perfect. You don't know that people sure. didn't, uh, you know, fraudulently write these papers based on no experiment that had actually been run. Yep. But the point was, it wasn't some hidden selection process. Right. Then you institute peer review. Right. The 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 pros catch up and peer review gets back on its feet and it starts controlling what you see of what was done. There are weird reversals, papers that have been accepted for publication being unaccepted, yes. <clears throat> right? The process has become a whole bunch more opaque. And then there's the level of opaque at the CDC, which is effectively total. We're not going to tell you how we came to this. Mm -hmm. We're going to tell you that it's evidence-based, mm -hmm. right? And so I guess what I would say is the very nature of this process is that there has, because of the noise that is inherent to the generation of actual evidence in, in complex systems, there would have to be a process. You would have to see evidence of that process to have any confidence that it took place. Because otherwise, if you can pretend that there was a process and then just hand down its supposedly evidence-based conclusion, then a cheater will do that because it's obviously the right, it's the, the, the efficient thing to do with respect to getting people's behavior to change without... Um, you know, bothering to deal with the conflict between what you're telling them to do and the actual universe. Yes, that's right. Good. Terrible, but good. <laughs> Terrible, but good. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, after a rather shaky start due to problems mostly outside of our control, I think, uh, I think we got some good places today. Yes. Here. I agree. Um, we are going to take a break and we're probably going to do a short Q&A this week because we ran long and we have uh, a lot of stuff going on right after this live stream today. So once again, we'll not be here next week, but we will have a guest episode uh, pre-recorded with Brett uh, in this usual time slot. We will be back two weeks from now uh, with another live stream and a Q&A. At that point, the private Q&A that we do once a month will be almost ready to happen. So I encourage you to go into my Patreon in the next couple of days uh, and join if you haven't and uh, and see if you want to ask a question for that private Q&A. Uh, Brett's Patreon is also live and thriving and the Discord that you can, the Discord community that you can get uh, access to at either of those is um, really quite vibrant. Go for it. Um, check out the Norman Fenton discussion. I... Uh, had on Dark Horse. Has that been released yet? Oh, that's, that's Saturday. Oh my goodness! I have aired grievously. Yes. So that's what you will have access to a yeah. week from now. It's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, I, th I think you will really dig it. When we are not live next week, nobody can stop you from achieving greatness, right? Or fighting the power. And I suggest you put at least some of that time into those two activities. So uh, you can ask your questions at darkhorsesubmissions.com right now. Um, emailing logistical questions to darkhorsemoderator at gmail.com. And until we see you next time, which might be in a few minutes and it might be a couple weeks, be good to the ones you love, eat good food, and get outside. Be well, everyone. <laughs>